Our theme this month has been on heaven, and uh, this is our last Sunday, I believe, uh, on, on the, the, of, of June, and we'll be picking a new uh, theme for July. But I just wanted to finish up this, this topic on heaven, and uh, so we're going to, we're going to go out on, on, on kings and priests, amen. You know, that's what we have been called to be, is kings and priests, and we're going to look at the history of of that. Now, I can't see you too well today because I was in such a hurry, I forgot to put in my context. So if, I'm, if I greet you as the wrong person, don't worry about it. Because <laughs> uh, uh, from here, you all look like a bit of a blur, especially in this eye, but it doesn't matter. God can see you, so I don't have to see you. Amen. Amen. And here is one of my favorite scriptures. <laughs> I say that because every time I say that, it's a different scripture. But here is one of my favorite scriptures. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever. Forever. Amen. The Lord led me to speak to someone over the weekend uh, in one of the services. And I told them, you know what your problem is? I said, you have to forgive yourself. He says, for by one offering, he hath perfected forever. I want you to meditate upon that. Sometimes you read scripture and it just goes in one ear and out the other. It doesn't really. He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. You know what that means? All you have to do is, as I've said, and I keep saying this, is like Abraham. All he had to do was start walking from Ur of the Chaldees and God declared him perfect. The Bible said because he believed God, it was credit to him for righteousness. Isn't that awesome? Believing God and being obedient credits us as being perfect. And I know that's hard, it's hard for me to, to believe that and accept that because my flesh wants to, and the devil wants to throw up all my past, all my mistakes, all the things that I have failed God at. But look at what the scripture is saying. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. By one, that means he's not dying again. He has finished it. He said on the cross, Telestai, finished. Your sins were paid for. Paid for. But the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And he comes to seek to kill and destroy and take away your faith. And to put you in a situation where you begin to doubt God's love. Because he will throw circumstances and all kinds of things in your your path that will make you say, well... Does God love me? How did this happen? Why is this happening to me? But never doubt God's love. You know, I I taught on Tuesday night, well, the Tuesday night before last, I think, uh, and the revelation that I I had got what Jesus had been doing. And when he was leaving this earth, he prayed uh, in the spirit and he said, I have lost none of them. None of them. Say for the son of perdition that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But he says, but now, Heavenly Father, I'm going. Speaking to the Spirit. And you now, the Spirit has to keep. Because he wasn't physically going to be there anymore. He wasn't physically going to be there anymore. And so he said, but now, to the Spirit, you keep them. But there is a distinction. There is a distinction. If you look in the real translation, he says, keep them from the evil one. Evil one. We are not kept altogether from people or circumstances. Stephen 
God did allow him to be martyred, right? They did stone him to death. But we can be kept from the evil one. Satan should have no power over us. None. The only power he has is when he works in the children of disobedience. And, and that is just awesome because as I taught that Tuesday night, it was a bit of a revelation to me. Uh, they had sent 600 soldiers to the garden. Uh, what's called a Roman cohort. There are 10 cohorts in the legion. They sent 600 soldiers to arrest not only Jesus, but all 12 of the disciples. They were all with him. And on top of that, Peter drew his sword. And what did he do? Now that alone was an arrest and an execution. And yet you realize that they didn't take any of the disciples. Why? Because he said, I am he. And the moment he said, I am he, what happened? They fell back and then he told them, leave these alone. You can't touch them. You can't touch them. You understand they had been supernaturally. The revelation was, that's why he told them before, you don't have to take a sword or a script or anything. You can't be touched while I'm on this earth. And while I have given you authority and while I've given you power, you can't be touched. But there was, I said, there was going to be a little gap of 50 days where he was gone. And it would only be the spirit now to protect them. And that's why I told him, you stay in the upper room. You stay in Jerusalem. You stay prayed up until you be endued with power. Then you can go on out again and you can minister. Amen. You know, this scripture is so powerful. If we would meditate by one offering, he hath perfected forever. That is so hard for my flesh to accept. You know, because I know all the failures in my life. But if I look at me, I will never make it. I will never make it. You have to look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We can't finish our faith. We're not good enough. We, we mess up daily. Just a lack of faith is, is sin. You know? But this is the scripture. For by one offering hath perfected forever them that are set apart, them that are sanctified. And sanctification is not some holier than thou thing. All it means is you've left Ur of the Chaldees. You may not have gotten to Jerusalem left, but you're, you're not in Ur of the Chaldees messing up. You're not worshiping idols. You took that first step. Walk before me and be thou perfect. That was a declaration that God made upon Abraham the moment he said, okay, Lord, I'm leaving. Amen. How many of you have left Ur of the Chaldees? Amen. You may not have made it to Jerusalem yet. You may not have made it to the promised land yet. But in obedience, Bible says in Romans 8 that he calls those things that are not, that are not as though they be are. God is calling you perfect. If you can really believe that, if you can really walk in that word, you would have power with God. But it's because we doubt and we let Satan seep in. Anyway, I'm done talking about that. But one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. In the Old Testament, it was only a chosen group of the tribe of Levi that were called to be priests, who were, who were chosen to be priests, the, the children of Aaron. And in the Old Testament, the, the definition of that, it says one authorized to perform the sacred rites of religion, especially as a mediatory agent. That means a go-between. In the Old Testament, the priest was the go-between. A, a person who wasn't of the tribe of Levi could not enter into the tabernacle. They had to go to the priest. 
You know, it's funny that there are some religions today that haven't got it. (laughs) That that has been finished with. (laughs) You don't have to go to the priest. You don't even have to come to me. But anywhere you are, you can call on the name of the Lord. You can be like the blind man and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And you will stop Jesus in his tracks. They try to shut him up and say, you're disturbing him. Why don't you be quiet? You know, he said, they, he cried out the more. <laughs> Jesus, thou son of David. have And Jesus stopped and heard his cry. So in the Old Testament, it was only the Levites who could be priests. In Numbers uh, 3 and 6, we see when this happened, when Moses was given the instructions by God to set up the priesthood. He said, bring the tribe of Levi near and present them before Aaron the priest that they may minister uh, minister unto him. Let me just set a couple things here. I don't want to... Here we go, okay. And they shall keep his charge and the charge of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of the congregation to do the service of the tabernacle. They were called to do the service of the tabernacle. It means they were responsible for taking the sacrifices that were brought, uh, for preparing them for for actually doing the sacrifices, sprinkling the blood. They had some very important duties. They were the ones who were charged with keeping the the lampstand lit at all times, 24-7. That light was never supposed to go out. They were also to keep the brazen altar completely going 24-7. At any time, there could have been a sacrifice. They were never supposed to let that out. It was a 24-7 job being a priest. You didn't have a day off or take a vacation. (laughs) Some of us Christians think that's how it is. I'm taking a vacation now. I'm somewhere no one will know where I am. They can't see what I'm up to. But the priesthood as appointed in the Old Testament was not like that. And they shall keep all the instruments of the tabernacle. It was their job to keep all of the instruments that were used in the sacrifice to make sure that they were clean, that they were kept. All of the golden incense and the and the 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 preparing of the ointments, they were charged with doing that. In fact, they were the only ones that could use that stuff. Imagine you had a, a special perfume uh, made just for you. That was what it was in the Old Testament. If anyone else used it, that was a sin. That was breaking the law unless you were a priest. And verse 9, And thou shalt give the Levites unto Aaron and to his sons, and they are wholly given out of the children of Israel. They belonged to God. Do you understand that we belong to God? The Bible says you are not your own. You're not your own. We are his bondservants, Paul says. And that's really kind of hiding what it really means. It means slave. <laughs> that's what bondservant means. It means you don't do what you want to do. We are supposed to be his servants. And thou shalt appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall wait on their priest's office. That means, when it says wait in the Old Testament, it means serve. They shall serve in the priest's office. And the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. That means no one else could walk in there. No one else could be a priest in the Old Testament unless you are of the tribe of Levi. And even if you are of the tribe of Levi, then you had to be a perfect physical specimen. I probably wouldn't qualify. Now... In the early days of air travel, when they first started commercial air travel, and they were hiring stewardesses, they would weigh them and measure them, and they had to stay the weight that they were hired at. If they put, and height and everything. 
They had to be perfect physical specimens. If they, if they digressed, they got a little warning and a few weeks to, to drop that weight. They had to be exactly a certain way. Do you understand that it's no more or less for us? God is looking for us to come to him with our whole heart, our whole being. Not a little bit, not 90%, but all of us. It's a complete giving to him. Thou shalt appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall wait. They shall serve on the priest's office, and the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. No one else could serve if you were not a Levite. And even if you were a Levite, you couldn't have a, the Bible lists all the stuff that you couldn't, you couldn't have a, you couldn't be lame. You couldn't have a broken uh, nose. You couldn't have all kinds of things. You had to be a perfect uh, specimen because God was trying to show a symbol of what it would be if you want to serve him on your own scorecard, so to speak. I'm so glad that in the New Testament, God said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are what? Heavy laden. Amen. Now the reason for the priesthood, a lot of it is revealed in the book of Hebrews. It says, for every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. So the high priest in the Old Testament was specially chosen uh, so that he could, and ordained, consecrated, so that he could be used to offer both the gifts and the sacrifices. Now the first mention of, of, of uh, the high priest in, the, in terms of bringing the kingship and the high priest together is, anyone? Where is it mentioned of someone who was both a king and high priest? Melchizedek, very good, amen. Genesis fourteen eighteen, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and, and he was the priest of the Most High God, El Elyon. Now in, in Hebrew, Melech is king, and Zedek means righteousness. So right there you can tell what his name means. Mel, Melech, king of righteousness. Uh, and Salam is the, is the, derives from Shalom, which means... Peace, king of peace. And look what he's doing. He's, he's offering bread and wine. In fact, it was a forerunner, a symbol, symbolic of the communion. And he gave Abraham bread and wine. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. So in Hebrews, it's revealed, it's broken down about this figure Melchizedek, who is a forerunner and a symbol for us. Because in the Old Testament, remember, there was the king and there was the priest. And those two jobs did not mix. But in the New Testament, it is revealed that God has called us to be both kings and priests. I don't know about you, but that, that makes me happy. Amen. You are a daughter of the king. Did you know that? You are royalty. You are royalty. That's what you've been called to. If we understand, I like you're wearing that, the, 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 the crown there. Amen. You know, if we, if we understood who we were, we would walk a little bit taller. Walk a little bit straighter. We wouldn't let the devil put us down and, and make us feel small. Don't, you know, you know these, these celebrities when they get stopped by the police, you know the first thing they say? <laughs> Imagine when the devil stops us. What's wrong with us? You know what we should tell him? Do you know who I am? <laughs> Do you know who I am? 
we let the devil beat us up. But as soon as he starts to pull us over, we should just sit up and say, do you know who I am? Do you know who my father is? Because <laughs> that's what these rich people do. And a lot of times they get away with it. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Here. <laughs> you can have your license back. I think if we, if we was in the devil's face a little bit more and say, do you know who you're messing with? I'm blessed and highly favored. Somebody out of the blue, I was telling Sister Flo Shaw, somebody out of the blue started texting me, you know, and I didn't know who they were or what their, you know, um, what their angle was. So I tried to be nice. Uh, yeah, it was last week. So they started off really, really pleasant. Uh, they said, I know the new name of the Messiah and you don't. <laughs> you still call him Jesus, to which is no longer his name. Okay, that's news to me. <laughs> I get to call him by his new name. He revealed to me his new name. Does that make me special? <laughs> so uh, I thought about, I probably shouldn't even engage with this person. <laughs> I said, I don't recognize your number, so I don't know if you are special because I don't even know your name. <laughs> And they went on and on. But the final thing, they, you know, they tried to threaten me and, and say, I told them, you know, if you're not going to, I'll dialogue with you, but I, I would like to know your name. And they wouldn't tell me their name. So I said, okay, well, if you don't respond to me, then I'm going to just block you. And they said, well, God is going to blot out your name and all of this. They went on. And then I said, the last thing I said, it says, I said, you can't curse what God has blessed. Have a nice day. I said, you can't curse whom God is blessed. Have a nice day and goodbye. I put a little smiley face. and You see, when the devil stops us, we need to say, do you know who I am? Do you know who my father is? Because we've been called to be kings and priests. A lot of time we're too cowering, you know. We're too afraid. Oh, Lord, what we're going to do now? But we should, we should have... Uh, an attitude that I'm a king and a priest. That's what God has called me to. Amen. So now when Abraham was blessed by Melchizedek, it says he paid tithes, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. Then it's starting to reveal who this person is. It says, king of righteousness. And we're told that we are going to get a crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4 8. When we get to heaven, we get a crown of righteousness. Henceforth there is, this is Paul. This is Paul. You know, near the end of his life, he says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. See, right now, people can't see who you are. Your name is not called in the halls of the rich and famous. No one knows who you are, but listen what Jesus said. He says, not a sparrow falls that his heavenly father does not know. He says, the very hairs of your head, the things you're going through, don't you worry. There is a crown of righteousness laid up for you. Your name is going to be called in heaven. He says, if you will confess me down here, I'm going to confess you up there. He's going to do some name dropping. We see this with Job, don't we? Satan didn't mention Job first. It was God. He says, hey, have you considered my servant Job? How he, he loves me, how he sacrifices, how he's an upright man. God name dropped Job. You know, you know the reason why you may be being attacked, don't you? 
God may be name dropping you. And Satan's mad about it. He says, just let me at him. Just take away at the wall. Let me get in there a few times. Let me, let me get between his children and destroy his family or other things. Let me take away his finances. But Job knew who he was. The Bible says in all this, he kept his integrity. Amen. Uh, what I'm trying to tell you, when we get to heaven, we get a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day and not me only. I like this part. Not me only. But unto all, say all, All. of them also that love his appearing. That's the key. Do you love his appearing? Do you want him to come? Could he come tomorrow and you'd be happy? Oh, I'd be so happy. It'd be so selfish, but I'd be really happy. There'd still be people who are lost, but just, just between me and God, Lord, if you could come tomorrow, that would be great. That would be so beautiful. Amen. That would be so wonderful. I want to be in the place where I love his appearing. Because there is a promise with loving his appearing. When you get to heaven, you're going to get a crown of righteousness. Now, the other thing that we're promised is that this king, Melchizedek, the Bible says that he was immortal. Hebrews 7 verse 3. Without father, and this is a clue to who he is, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days, nor end of life. Do you understand that when we get to heaven, we get back to be immortal? Hallelujah. There will be no more dying, no more death. The Bible says that the last enemy will be death, that will be destroyed. Amen. We read that scripture in in, in, uh, Corinthians about, oh death, where is your sting? You know, that is going to be the last thing destroyed. When we get to heaven, we get to get not only our kingship, but we get our immortality. And of course, that's reflected in Isaiah 9, 6, where it speaks about this, this king and says he's the everlasting father. The everlasting father. Amen. Amen. So let's go to the last part of his title. I'm talking about being kings and priests. He's also king of Salem, which is, of course, king of peace. Hebrews 7, 2, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that also king of peace. Amen. I don't know about you, but peace is what I would love. Sometimes there's just too much drama. (laughs) I'm trying my best to escape drama. (laughs) Of course, being pastor, I'm not too successful at that, but amen. God gives me grace. Amen. But we are going and we are called to peace. The Bible says in, in, in his Beatitudes statements is, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. I want to be called the children of God. Amen. A soft answer turneth away wrath. You know, my flesh was tempted to unload on this guy and tell him all kinds of stuff. But, you know, I just said, have a good day. Be blessed. Amen. We are called to be children of peace. We are called, the Bible says, if at all possible, we should have peace with everybody. Amen. Now, sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes it's impossible. No matter how much you lay down for some people, that will not be enough to make them happy. Amen. Psalm 76, verse 1, in Judah is God known. His name is great in Israel. King of peace. Amen. In Salem, in, in, in Shalom, also his, his tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion. Amen. God is a God of peace. Amen. 
That's why it says we shouldn't be uh, strident. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be the loudest voice everywhere except for if we're declaring his, his power and his kingdom. Amen. Peacemaker. Amen. So we see in Isaiah 9, 6, that is linked with Jesus as being the prince of peace. He's not only the everlasting father, but he is the prince of peace. Amen. Without father and without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made. Now here's the part. Made like unto the son of God. I want to be made like unto the son of God. That's what heaven is about. We're going to be, right now we're going through the making process. We're going through the making process. The Bible speaks about Jesus something quite, quite amazing. He said he learned through suffering. Think about that. Jesus in the flesh learned through suffering. Oh, I hate suffering. But you know, unfortunately, it's how we learn. We learn not to touch a hot stove because we've been burnt. Right? We learn certain things. Uh, we don't want to do that because that hurts. The best learning is if you can learn by someone else's example. But a lot of us are hard-headed. Uh, we don't believe until we feel. <laughs> but Jesus, the Bible says, learned through suffering. He learned obedience through suffering. And sometimes it takes God taking us through sometimes the valley of the shadow of death. And we may not understand it. Job did not understand anything that he personally had done wrong. The Bible says there was a perfect man. There wasn't anything that he could point to that he knew. But we know that even our greatest righteousness, the Bible says, is as what? Filthy rags. Even at our best, there are still areas in our life where we're not perfect. The, the Pharisees thought all you had to do was keep the law outwardly. Just, be a, just let everyone think you're okay. Jesus said, no, 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 no. It's what's going on in here. That counts. Amen. And that's why Paul said in Romans, with the, with the mind I serve God. With the inner man then I serve God. With the outer man I'm not going to be perfect. I might step on your, your toes a few times. I, I, I might get angry a few times and then I might say a word that I regret. But with the inner man, he said I serve the law of God. Hallelujah. In Hebrews 7, 6 it continues, but who but he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Amen. I'm telling you that if you're a child of God, you are blessed and highly favored. And when the devil next pulls you over, you tell him, do you know? <laughs> do you know who I am? That's what we got to tell him. We got to be in his face. Because uh, these celebrities, that's what they do. They don't, they, they say, do you know who I am? <laughs> I heard a, a policeman say, uh, his answer to that was, no, did, didn't your father tell you? <laughs> My father told me though. <laughs> he told me I'm blessed and highly favored. And that we are seated in heavenly places. Amen. I, you know, I'm not going to take what the devil has to say. Amen. I'm going to say what God has to say. Amen. Uh, we were there yesterday as, as we saw Sister Johnny and we, we left Brother, Brother um, Jordan and we said, listen, whose report? You know, his favorite song. Whose report are you going to believe? The doctors are saying all kinds of negative things, but whose report are you going to believe? And actually, when we anointed him with oil, he didn't even know it, but he started moving his toes. <laughs> and we, we, uncovered, we uncovered his feet and Lo and behold, he, he said, I hadn't been able to do that. 
And he started wriggling his toes a little bit. And I said, okay, it's starting. Amen? Amen. Call those things that are not as though they are. Call yourself blessed. When was the last time you called yourself blessed? Amen. Well, that's good. That's good. I am blessed and highly favored. And that's what you got to tell the devil. He's whispering in your ear and telling you all kinds of negativity, that you're a failure, that everything around you is a failure. You need to tell him, do you know who I am? Jesus sent Peter to go pay taxes. Peter came in. And before Peter could say anything, because Jesus already knew, he says, who do men make pay taxes The king's son or the commoners? And he says, well, the commoners. He says, okay, since we're not in our kingdom yet, you go and get a fish and pay the taxes. The implication is that we are the king's children. This world is not our home yet. I taught the Bible study on the the blessing and the birthright. And I showed that we get the double portion. When the angel says the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord, not only do we inherit heaven, but we also get earth. We get the double portion. That's what Sister Flo Shaw was talking about on Friday, right? The double portion. That was the sign that you were the son of the inheritance. That was the sign of that you were the son of the birthright. That's why Elisha said, I want the double portion. He wanted the spiritual mantle to fall on him. We have the right to say, Lord, give me the double portion. Are you listening? You've gone all quiet. I said, you have the right to ask God for the double portion. The key is, you got to keep following. He said, I'm not going to let you out of my sight. Because he said, if you see me when I go, you'll get the double portion. You know, if if God makes you a promise, you got to go for it. You can't not let him out of your sight. You can't let the devil delay you. You can't nothing get in between because if you can see him, you will get the devil the double portion. Amen. Let the devil get his portion, but you get the double portion. The scripture says about Melchizedek that he was made like unto the Son of God. And, and, and again, another of my favorite verses is in Luke. I didn't put it here. It's Luke 3, I think, 38. It's giving the genealogy of Christ going backwards. And I love the way it ends. Which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam which was the Son of God. You know, if, if I go before Jesus comes, that's what I, I mean. I, it may sound boastful, but I, I don't, wouldn't mind that, which was the Son of God. Do you understand? Do you not understand that you are heirs and joint heirs? The Lord's Prayer, as I've said before, I've heard some, some criticism of it. Someone said it's not a, it's not a, a, a church prayer. It's an it's a Old Testament prayer. Because it doesn't say Jesus. You know, there's no Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. But I I beg to disagree. I think it is actually a uniquely Pentecostal prayer. Because Jesus starts off with that one word, our. Our. You know what he was saying? Just by that one word, he was putting you at the same level as him. He was saying, you and me are brothers. We are related. Amen. We have kinship. Amen. In the Old Testament, you don't dare claim God is your father or else they pick up stones. But in the New Testament, we can say father. In fact, he gives us the right to call him the personal name. In Hebrew, you, you would call your daddy, you know, in English we call him daddy, but in Hebrew it's Abba. 
That's the, 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 the personal endearment. We have the right, God has given us the right not just to say Jehovah or, or all of those titles in the Old Testament, but we can say Abba. We can say Daddy. He's my father. Don't you know Satan who my father is? Because I am destined to become a king and priest. I am an heir and a joint here. Amen. You see, and this was a revelation. That's what Paul, um, the, uh, Jesus said to, to Peter. He said in Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter answered said, Thou art the Christ. That means the anointed, the son of the living God. Amen. Now we know that Abraham paid tithes and that's fine. I'm not going to dwell on that today. But the point that he, he did was he prefigured the bread and the wine. Now there's something special in that and I don't even think I don't even think we've got the deeper revelation of what the bread and the wine really means. There's there's a lot more there that needs to be brought forth. I'm not going to go there today. And Melchizedek king of Salem brought forth bread and wine and he was the priest of the most high God and he blessed him and said, "Blessed be Abraham of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth." Now the next thing that the priest is he's an intercessor. It's interesting that, of course, yesterday was all about prayer, right? What does an intercessor do? He speaks on a person's behalf. When we pray, we we should not only just be praying for ourselves, but for others. My problem is sometimes I can get very selfish. I can think a lot of things, Lord, I need need you to to do some things in my life. There's some things I, I don't like about me. I need you to change some things. But really... We see some, a great um, revelation in the story of Job. All through the book of Job, what is Job wanting to do? He's wanting to confront God. He's wanting to talk. And wouldn't, wouldn't you want to talk to God personally in an audible voice? And ask him a few things? Lord, I'm so glad you're here. I just got this big list here. Let, well, just wait a minute here. Okay, going back to 19 so-and-so. Why did you... Why did you, and then on, on Wednesday the 13th, Aunt Matilda said, and w- w- what happened there? Job, <laughs> Job wanted to talk to God personally. He said, I would ask him to justify, what have I done? Why is all this stuff happening to me? Haven't you thought that? You may not have said it. Come on now. You may have thought that, why is this happening to me, Lord? And he says, if I can only speak to him, if I can only speak to him, I would plead my case. I want a trial. I feel I've been condemned and sentenced and they skipped the trial part. I don't even know why what's happening to me, Lord. And we don't really know how long all of that lasted, but it wasn't a short time. It could have been months. It could have been some years. But here's the thing, at the end of all of that, God does speak to him personally. Out of the cloud, God starts to speak to him and said, gird up your, your loins like a man. Okay, Job, you want a, you want a piece of me? <laughs> Let's talk. Let's talk, Job. Where were you when I, when I laid the foundation of the earth? You know, and he asked him, there's eight chapters of God just asking Job questions to see what, and we know the point of it. He was showing Job that you can't understand the answer. You can't understand the answer. Even if I was to give you the answer, you cannot understand it. Because we're not even on a common basis. You don't have, you, you, you're like a blind man asking me to explain a cloud. 
And this is where faith and trust comes in. But the point I'm making was, he had this conversation with God and understood what God had told him. He understood, he says, I understood that I inquired into things beyond my understanding. And so he understood that our walk with God right now is by faith. We can't question God and get an explanation. And the problem is not God, the problem is us. We cannot understand it even if he was to start. But, and Job got all of that. But here's the key. Nothing changed. In other words, he had prayed, God had talked with him, but nothing changed. When did something change for, God, for Job? When he became an intercessor, fulfilling his role as a king and priest. Amen. That's what I'm trying to talk to you about. When we pray just for ourselves, nothing may change. And we may think, well, how can I pray for someone? Look at me. Do you remember? He was sick to death. He had lost everything. He had lost his wife. And yet, even in that state, he went and prayed for his friends. They may, be, they may have said, how can you be praying for us? Well, that's what God wants me to do. And in praying, becoming an intercessor for his friends, then the deliverance came for him. And a lot of us don't get that. We pray for ourselves and wonder why it don't happen. We may even have God do things for us and still it don't happen because we're not fulfilling the role of an intercessor, which is part of the priesthood. Exodus 20:18. When they were come to Sinai after leaving Egypt after 46 days, God told them on the 50th day something's going to happen. And at first they were mad with Moses. They said, listen, who are you? We can talk to God for ourselves. And all the people saw suddenly the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they said, okay, <laughs> we better back off here. Moses, I tell you what, you go up the mountain. <laughs> I think it's okay now, Moses. You, you can go up the mountain for us. We don't need to do this. And they said to Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, <laughs> lest we die. Lest we die. You see, we are today's intercessor. We should be practicing our kingship because we are both priest and intercessor. Yesterday was beautiful. You saw women praying for women and lifting them up and bearing one another's burdens. That's part of our training for priesthood. When we get to heaven, that's what the Bible says. In fact, we're not going to be in heaven permanently. We're going to be with God, which is his dwelling place is where? On earth. John said, I saw the new Jerusalem adorned as a bride coming down from heaven. And God said, I'm going to be permanently dwelling. See, we're supposed to be praying for others, lifting up others, being the intercessor. I challenge you to pray for other people and see what God will do for you. I challenge you to pray even in your weakness, even though in your, in your, in your pain, even in your sorrow, even in the things you're going through, to start praying for other people and see what God will do. Amen. Now, the next thing about a king and priest is that they, they had special garments. They were given special, beautiful garments that were unique and only they could wear. They were called holy garments. Amen. And you could do a, a long study just on that. In Exodus 28, 4, and these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, and an ephod. 
Now the breastplate and the ephod was like a, a pocket that was inside the breastplate. Uh, a robe and a broidered coat, a mitre or a turban and a girdle, and they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his sons, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. And they shall take gold and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen, and they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue, and of purple, of scarlet, and fine twined linen with cunning work. Now God, in all of this, there's a whole bunch of symbolism. There's a whole bunch of symbolism. On the breastplate were the twelve stones, and on the stones, different stones, were engraved the names of the twelve tribes. And on his shoulders were stones with the same thing, six on each side. So that whenever the priest went before God, he was bearing the names that's why when we pray we give a list of names that we call amen before God yes he knows but he wants us to officiate in the act of priesthood in the act of of bringing the names of being an intercessor and these are the garments and it lists all the garments now you all remember what the breastplate was called in the old testament breastplate of judgment amen and inside that pocket in the ephod were two stones called the Urim and the Thummim and this is how they would inquire of the Lord the two stones would glow and give the answer they would ask a yes or no answer and the priest would go before the Lord in the tabernacle and he'd put his hands in there and whichever stone came out that was glowing that would be the answer yes or no blessing or cursing so when it says in the Old Testament David inquired of the Lord they used the ephod to do it after a while though Israel started to worship the ephod as if it was God, you know, instead of the fact that it was God supernaturally using it for a means of communication. And in fact, in the end, it had to be destroyed. So in the New Testament, the breastplate is no, no longer called the breastplate of judgment, but you all know it's called the breastplate of righteousness. Amen. Because Jesus did our judgment at the cross. Hallelujah. We are passed from death unto life. Amen. We put on the priestly, it's the breastplate of righteousness, his righteousness. So we have got to be dressed for duty. If we're going to be kings and priests, and of course in Ephesians you all know the scripture. Stand. Sometimes that's all you can do. Stand. Don't, don't run. Stand. Having your loins, that means your, your, your middle girth about with truth. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, above all, say above all, you're going to need your shield of faith. See, that's the thing that the devil wants to take from you, to make you doubt your calling, make you doubt that God loves you, doubt the ministry he has given you. He said to Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. You know, they would... In the, in the olden days when they were to separate the, the, chaff, the, the chaff from the wheat, they would throw it up and the wind would blow the, the, the chaff away and the seeds were a little bit heavier so they would fall. Satan wants to do that. He wants to take our faith and blow it away. And he'll do it by, by taking circum, negative circumstances and say, well, if God loved you, this wouldn't happen. Just like Job. Just like Job. If, if God loved you, look at how long you've been praying and this hasn't happened. Look at, look at how they turned you down for this or, or, or the relationship has gone this way. If God loved you, this wouldn't happen. Of course, that's a lie. In this life, we shall have, what's the word? Okay, don't forget that. We're on enemy territory. Of course the devil going to shoot at us. 
of course you have to be armored up. Amen. Having the shield of faith wherewith he shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And they are fiery. He knows your hot button. He knows exactly the word to say to you to hurt. He could have hit you anywhere else and you'd have been not bothered. But he knows the exact word and the right spot to go where you really feel it. <laughs> where the flesh really wants to, to, to get back and, and say a few things or do a few things. Or, or it causes so much pain. And that's why we have to have the shield of faith. We have to absolutely believe that no matter what, God loves us. God loves us. Amen. I hope all of you who are, are parents, that your children know no matter what, you love them. In a court, as I've said so many times, you could have the, mur- the worst murderer, rapist, whatever. There'll be one person saying, Judge, please give him mercy. <laughs> Mom will be there to plead the case. When we are sure that God loves us, and you know that works in marriages too. I'll just throw that out, you know. When you're sure your spouse loves you, even if there's some upset, even if there's some temporary, you know, high voices or whatever, you know it's, it's either a misunderstanding because they love you and you love them. And you can get beyond anything. When you know God loves you, even if, he, if you haven't heard from him right away. Now we know he loved Lazarus, didn't he? He, he, he said that. Martha and Mary knew he loved Lazarus. He said, Lazarus, whom you loved. It wasn't that he didn't love Lazarus, but there was some glory that God was going to get in the situation. God may use your situation for his glory. He may want you to be a witness on Judgment Day. I've told that story of that brother in the church in Michigan who all his life that I knew him, he, he got MS and got so crippled that he couldn't move. Family deserted him, wife divorced him. He's only 35. God did not heal him. We prayed for him many times. But here, here's what happened. Sister Danessa, you remember him. I think you remember him. Can't remember his name right now, but he would come and he would be laid at the front and he would try and, try and, and worship. He would try and worship. And he never lost faith in wanting to be brought to church. But I can see him standing up. Before God's throne. And he's not laying on a bench anymore. And he's got his hand raised. And there'll be some people stand before God and say, I couldn't, I couldn't come to church. I was too tired. And God will just look at him and say, Has thou considered my t- servant? I can't remember his name. Do you remember his name? See, God may be using your circumstance as his witness. Here's my sister. She went through all kinds of things. She was deserted. She was, she, was, she was homeless. She still served me. She still loved me. Do you understand why the book of Job is there? It's to tell us that even if you are so-called perfect, that's not going to stop you getting attacked in the flesh. But Job was able to say this. I know that my Redeemer liveth. And that one day I will see him. For myself with my own eyes. That's faith. That's having your shield of faith. Despite all his so-called friends saying, well, you know, you must have messed up. Why don't you just confess now? Because God doesn't let that happen to people he loves. No, 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 no. That's not, this is a misunderstanding, you see. 
God will allow some things in our life because he wants to use us. You pray for God to use you and you don't understand he is using you. Not in the way you think and not, not maybe for the purpose you think. God used Lazarus' death to trigger his own arrest. It was the death of Lazarus and the fact he was resurrected was when the, the, the Sanhedrin met and said, okay, we can't let this go on. We got to stop this. It's better that one man should die for the nation than the Romans come and take. Jesus used the fact that Lazarus came back from the dead to trigger his arrest. You're suffering. You may not understand it or see it or be able to work it out. But God may be using what you're going through for his glory. That's why we're called to be kings and priests. Amen. And the Bible says, I'm taking the helmet of salvation. You got to have your head covered. Because the attack today is through your mind. Sometimes it's not even people. He'll just put thoughts of depression, of doubt, of fear, of incapacity, of worthlessness in your mind and leave you there. And you have to just fight that. You have to come out of doubting castle. Got to have that helmet of salvation that the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, God loved us. So while, while I was not even trying, God loved me. So even now, even though I may not be 100% perfect, he loved me while I was a sinner. Christ died for me and you while we were no good, while we didn't even know him, while we didn't care. So don't you think he still loves you now? Amen. Don't you think he wants you to be a king and priest now? That's why we got to block out the Satan's uh, words through our mind. Put on that helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is that God loves me. Amen. And through his death, I can be saved because he has paid the sacrifice. And of course, the only way we're going to attack Satan back is through the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. That's how Jesus gave us that example. He didn't even use his own personal words, which he could have. He said, it is written. When Satan said, if thou be the son of God, turn this rock into bread. He didn't try arguing. He said, it is written. Amen. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. When you get that big bill and you can't pay it, just hold it up to God and said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out the mouth of God. When God says it, then it's finished. He is the true Supreme Court. <laughs> you know, they had a, a, a great uh, passing of, of um, restricting abortion, because it's really not banned, but restricting abortion. And that's great. Amen. I, 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 hope, I hope that it will go on to not just at birth, but continue to care for the child after they're born. Amen. Uh, a lot of people just want the child to be born and then they abandon the, okay, now it's born, it's okay. But I believe in whole life, not just pro-life. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We want God to move and use us as kings and priests because that is what we're called to. If you get to heaven, that's going to be your job. You're called to be a king and priest. So we have to be dressed for duty. I hope you came in today with, the, with the, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen. I hope you came here with your faith held high and say, I'm going to make it no matter what. Even though, even if I die in my flesh, just like Job, I shall see him for myself. Amen. Amen. In the Old Testament, as I said, it was called the breastplate of judgment. 
And it was a beautiful thing. But it, it, it was for the, the priest to bear the names before the Ark of the Covenant when he went in there to pray. Amen. And now it, it goes on with all of the settings. Uh, the 12 stones, the beautiful stones. And they were to bear the names before the Lord. And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel. When we pray, do you call for anybody else's name? Good. Amen. Because that is part of being a king and priest is that you intercede. We pray for one another. I need your prayers. I need your prayers. I do. I need your prayers. Amen. I need your prayers. Somebody's been praying for me this weekend. I feel supernaturally strong. <laughs> Amen. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't really care for myself as I should. And uh, I'm getting on up there. I'm, I'm four more years and I'll be the three score years and ten. But so far my eye is not too dim. <laughs> or my natural force abated. So... Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You see, Aaron and us, we are to bear the names of the children of Israel and the breastplate of judgment upon his heart when he goeth into the holy place for memorial before the Lord continually. And thou shalt put the breastplate of the judgment of the Urim and the Thummim. Those were the two stones I told you about. And they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord and Aaron shall bear the judgment or the decision is what it really means of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. We should never pray and not mention someone else. Amen. Pray for your brothers and sisters. I told brother Jordan, I said, we're going to, the church is going to call your name every time we get together until you get, come walking in here. We're going to call your name. So brother Jordan, if you're listening to me and brother Tony, we said that too. We're going to call your name. I was so happy to see Brother Tony walk into the prayer breakfast. Amen. I don't know. I think it was Wednesday. You were in the hospital having a major procedure. Tuesday you had a major procedure. Amen. We went in Wednesday. And he told me then, I'm coming to the prayer breakfast. <laughs> and uh, maybe my faith was weak. I kind of looked at him a little bit. <laughs> so you helped my faith, Brother Tony. And I was so happy to see him walk into the prayer breakfast out of the hospital in, in two or three days. And I'm, I'm, I'm praying that God is going to continue and give you full restoration. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are called to be kings and priests. And part of that office was what's called the atonement, the atonement, the covering. We should be a cover for our brothers and sisters. Amen. A cover. The Bible says love covers what? Exodus 30.10, and Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year. On the day of atonement, which was the Jewish holiest day, we've passed Passover already this year, we've passed unleavened bread, and we've passed first fruits. So, and now we've passed Pentecost, which is the midpoint. And so now we have the three feasts of the Jewish, the three of the seven left. So the next one, anyone remember? Trumpets, all right. And next? No, Tabernacle is the last one. Atonement, atonement, okay? And that is the, the holiest day as far as the Jews. It was the one day where Israel as a nation had their whole sins forgiven. On the day of atonement, the high priest would choose two, two goats, and he would lay his hand on one of them and pronounce all the sins on the head of the live goat. 
Then he was sent away, led as far as he could from the camp by the hand of a strong man. And Jesus fulfilled that. He became our scapegoat. The high priest said it's better that one man should die for the sins of the nation. And when he's, the Bible tells us in Mark that he said this not of himself. The Holy Ghost forced him to say it. The Holy Ghost made him declare Jesus the sin offering. And I, I think it was about that point the way I teach it that Satan realized, wait a minute, whoa, we've got to stop this process here. Because <laughs> he realized what Jesus really came to do at that point, that he was, he was coming to destroy the kingdom of the grave. Amen. Do you understand the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That's an aggressive declaration. That's not us defending. That's us attacking. Isn't that what it means? It says the gates of hell. It means if it's the gates of hell, it means we're outside the walls. We're beating, we're beating hell down. We're, we're saving, pulling people out of judgment, pulling people out of destruction. It's not meant though we're cowering behind some walls. No, it says the gates of hell. In fact, in the book of Revelation, it says Babylon has fallen and become a, a dwelling place for just... That's right, because when Jesus arose, he led captivity captive. He, he released all of the righteous dead. The only thing that's down there is demons and an unrighteous dead. Because so, when we die, we go to be with the Lord. The last thing that the high priest, and I shouldn't say the last thing, but I'm, I'm going to try and wrap this up, was that he was poured over his head with the anointing oil. When we went and prayed, we anointed Brother Jordan. We anointed him on his two toes, and then he started wriggling his toes. That was so funny, so, so wonderful. And the Bible says that the high priest would have this special ointment that had been consecrated, and it was poured over his head. And he that is the high priest among his brethren, upon whose head the anointing oil was poured, and that is consecrated to put on the garments, shall not uncover his head nor rend his clothes. What it's speaking is that he had holy garments on that were now sacred. And once he had had the anointing, we're not supposed to go and desecrate it by getting into stuff and going places we're not supposed to be or doing things that defile. But just to show that this was under the law, the high priest did exactly this thing when Jesus was brought before him, showing the end of the law. Look at this. Mark 6, 14. Remember now, let's go back. And he that is high priest among his brethren, upon whose head the anointing oil was poured. This is showing the end of the old Levitical priesthood. That the priesthood we are under is of the order of Melchizedek, king and priest. So now to show this in the time of Jesus, when look what the high priest did. It says, he shall not uncover his head nor rend his garments. He was never supposed to show a sign of mourning because he was God's representative at the time. And now look what it says. And the high priest stood upon them in the midst and asked Jesus saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it with these witnesses against thee? But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him and said, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. <laughs> and he shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Verse 63. Look what the high priest does. He rends his garments. He tears his garments, showing the end of the Levitical order. 
and saith, What need we any further witnesses? And the Bible said this had to happen because for us to become kings and priests, none of you were born to the tribe of Levi, right? Right. So we, we were not in the line to become kings and priests. So the Levitical priesthood had to end. When we get to heaven, it doesn't matter if you're Jew, Greek, or Gentile. But if you are born again into the heavenly family, the change of priesthood is coming. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews put it this way, If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek? I don't want to call any religions names, but if you ever meet any priest, you just tell them, and they ask you anything, you just say, I'm a priest. <laughs> I'm a priest, yes. I can receive prayers, I can, I can, I can pray for people. And he'll say, well, what church do you, what order are you? Say, I'm after Melchizedek. (laughs) You are of the order of Melchizedek. And not to be called after the order of Aaron. For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity also a change of the law. If you could stand with me. Amen. Amen. John 20, 17. Well, you know that after he died and he rose, nobody could touch him for a while. This was symbolized in the Old Testament. Exodus 29, 30. And the son that is priest in his stead shall put them on seven days when he shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation of the holy place. So before the day of atonement, the priest could not be touched. He would enter into the tabernacle so that no one could touch him and defile him and we see the same thing with Jesus when he arose John 20 17 showing the new priesthood because Jesus was not born of the tribe of Levi was he John 27 Jesus said unto her touch me not yet for I'm not yet ascended to my father but go to my brethren and say unto them I ascend unto your father and my father and to your God and my God listen We're called to be kings and priests. I'll say it again. The next time the devil pulls you over, tell him, do you know who I am? Do you have any idea who my father is? Do you know who I am? Because my father is the king of kings and lord of lords. He's overruled so many things in my life. That the devil has said one way. And you've heard me testify. And when he, when he changes the ruling, it's, it's changed. You know, I, I was looking through some old papers and I, I found some of the, 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 the mortgage documents. And I, I'm still looking for that letter they told me where they said, denied. Denied. I, they told me in a letter, it's denied. We're going to do so and so. And I called them up and they said, oh, that's a mistake. You know why? God had overruled them. The king of kings has the last word. Whose report are you going to believe? You are a child of the most high and you are blessed and highly favored. Say it. Come on. I'm blessed and highly favored. When you wake up tomorrow morning, you say that out to the devil. I am blessed and highly favored. One more time like you mean it. I am blessed and highly favored. Amen, because you are a king and called to be a priest. Hallelujah. 
The Bible says we are heirs and joint heirs. And we're going to rule and reign with him. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me, Father. We come to you today, Holy Father. We call you Abba because you are our daddy. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice that made the way open for us to be heirs and joint heirs. Lord, we ask you right now, Lord God, help our faith to rise. Help our faith to stand upon your promises. Oh God, that you have said it is written. Hallelujah. We thank you today. Let your word go forth without hindrance in our second service. Minister to us. Those who are down, Lord God, Lord, restore their faith. Let them know, Lord God, that you learn through suffering. God, that you have not forsaken us, that you have promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Lord God, we ask you right now, help us to open Open our eyes spiritually to see that we are surrounded today by so great a cloud of witnesses. We thank you for your greatness and your love and your mercy and your grace. And we give you all honor and praise in Jesus' name. Give God a praise offering this morning.